You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. Turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Holy Spirit, you're the one who leads us into truth. And so we just thank you that you want to do that today. Amen. Amen. During the prayer meeting on, on Wednesday, you guys were praying for us, and there was a couple things about uh, upgrade and anointing. And this is my first opportunity to preach, so we're going to see if it actually works today. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. Second uh, Corinthians says that we're not ignorant of the devil's schemes or devices. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Second Corinthians chapter 10. You all know this, but verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Bottom line is that if we read the Bible, we recognize we're in a battle. I want to focus this morning on what we fight for, not what we fight against. Too many people get into what we fight against. The problem with that is it puts our eyes in the wrong place. We have a number of guys in our church in Launceston who are motorbike riders. Any motorbike riders here? Oh, no, okay. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, it's not safe here, huh? But uh, they tell me that in their training before they get their license, they're taught not to look at the pothole that you're trying to miss but look at the open road you're trying to hit because we hit what we look at. And so if we get our focus on the wrong thing, we end up hitting that. A number of years ago, I had a lady come and talk to me and she was telling me that she was struggling with depression. And so I asked her about, does she spend time every day with the Lord? And she was telling me that she had gone to this class on spiritual warfare and she had learned that she needed to bind the devil every day from her life and from her family and from her work and from her home and from her business. And I said, how do you do that? She said, well, I just tell the devil. Devil, I tell you today, you have no place in my, in my family and no place in my life. And I said, well, how long does that take you? She said, oh, about 45 minutes. <laughs> I said, well, then how much time do you spend in worship? Well, I don't have any time. I said, so what you're telling me is that you spend 45 minutes talking to the devil every day and no time worshiping or talking to Jesus. She went, uh, yeah. <laughs> and when you say it like that, it's pretty obvious why she was struggling with depression. And so I said, look, just stop. Okay. If we get our eyes fixed on the wrong things, if we look at the pothole instead of the, the road, they, they actually have a name for it. It's an official thing called target fixation. We hit what we aim at. They actually learned this during the Second World War with fighter pilots who were flying and they would actually, some of them would fly into the, the very target that they were aiming at. 
they get so fixed at on it. Uh, so, I want to talk this morning about five things that we need to fight for. And I'll tell you why those five at the end. But I actually believe that if you get a hold of this, it will set you up for the next 25 years. So five things we need to fight for, both individually. I need to fight for these in my life. You need to fight for them in your life. But together, as a church, we need to fight for them. These are the things that the devil's targeting. And so the first one, I'm preaching to the choir here. The first one is that we need to fight for the supremacy of Jesus. Colossians 1.18 says, and we have an overhead. Nope. There it says, he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, in all things, say that with me, in all things he may have the preeminence. We're not fighting to make Jesus supreme. He already is. We're fighting to keep our focus on his supremacy, that he's the center of everything we do. Our motivation is to give him glory. Our worship is to magnify him, that our focus is on Jesus and his kingdom. The devil hates that. He wants to shift our focus onto anything else. Why? Because Jesus is the head of the church. Let us get focused on something else. Good stuff. As long as it's not Jesus. I'm not going to spend much time on that. But the bottom line is that if we do that, we end up with a love for Jesus. But there's more. The second thing we fight for is the fullness of the Spirit and intimacy with God. Ephesians 5.18 says, And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Spirit. This is after Pentecost. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. We need the leading and the power of the Spirit. We need to hear God's voice. God never intended us to do kingdom ministry without him. He never intended us to know enough, to, to learn enough, to be trained enough, to be equipped enough to do it without him. We need him. So much so that Jesus said to the disciples, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Big challenge. You would think they're going, okay, okay. And he says, yeah, but wait. But wait. I'm thinking, whoa, whoa, whoa. We got to do this now. Because it's a big, big challenge. Just wait until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. The devil wants us to think we can do it on our own. There's a whole 
movement in, in Christian circles that basically says the supernatural power of the Spirit ended with the apostles. And the result of that is that it's our education that qualifies us rather than our intimacy and our relationship with God. I'm again preaching to the choir, but I just felt this morning during the worship that there's someone here, and maybe more than one, in a church that is full of the Spirit, that you're not anti-Spirit, but you're very passive. You can't be anti-Spirit and still come here. You won't last very long. But you can be passive. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said there's people who say, hey, this is wonderful. I'd like to see what's happening, but it's good for other people. Warfare says that we're aggressive. We're, Paul says, earnestly desire the supernatural. He doesn't say be passive. Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away because the Spirit will come. And so we need the intimacy with God that comes from the, the Holy Spirit. We need that added to a focus on Jesus. You know, the Spirit loves it when we focus on Jesus. We actually see more manifestations if we focus on Jesus than if we focus on the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit's part of his role is to glorify Jesus. Duh. Not rocket science. So what's the result of this? Is a love for the Holy Spirit. Very simple. Third thing we fight for is the authority of the word. The devil's doing everything he can to get us off of a focus on Jesus, to get us away from the fullness of the Spirit and away from the authority of the word. In Acts chapter 20, from verse 27, it says this, For I have not shunned or drawn back or hesitated to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore take heed... Or watch yourselves and, and all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. He's talking to the leaders. For I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, guard or watch, and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone day and night with tears. The devil's strategy is to get us away from the authority of the word. We like the word, but we don't like all the word. We live in a generation that has been taught that truth is subjective rather than objective. It's what I think is truth. But God's word says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The entirety of your word is truth. Psalm, uh, one of those Psalms, 119, 160. There is an objective truth, but the devil doesn't want that. Devil wants to, why? 
does he want to get us away from the word? Because the word is God's revelation of himself. In the word, we have a right image of God. And the devil doesn't want us to have a right image of God. He wants us to have a distorted image of God. Let me ask you, what will the next generation be preaching if we don't guard the authority of the word? Intergenerational. God builds through generations. But if we lose the authority of the word, we pass on something other than God's word. So when, when we fight for the supremacy of Jesus, we end up with a love for Jesus. When we fight for the fullness of the spirit and intimacy with God, we end up with a love for the spirit. When we fight for the authority of the word, we end up with a love for the word. Fourth thing that we fight for is for covenant relationships in a kingdom of priests. Revelations 5.10 talks about us being a kingdom of priests. God made us kings and priests or a kingdom of priests to our God and we shall reign in the earth. Ephesians 4.12 says that he gave, 4.11 says he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So we're a kingdom of ministers. That's what priest means. God's intent is that we're all ministers. That we all partner with God for the extension of his kingdom. We don't do it for him, we do it with him. And we partner with him, we walk in relationship, and we need to fight for that because the, the pressure of the devil is to stop the army of God and say it's only for a few professionals. But it's not. It's for every one of us. When we uh, got... We're privileged to be part of God's plan to uh, launch a church in Launceston. God spoke to us repeatedly about, uh, from Ezekiel 47, uh, 37, about breathing life to dry bones. And he's done that over. We've had people come who hadn't been in church for five years, six years, 12 years, that God just breathed life, and they're, they're coming to life again. And that breath of life is the spirit. But if you read that, it talks about this valley of dry bones and they all come together and they pro he tells the, the prophet to prophesy to the spirit and it says the spirit comes in them and they all stand up a great army. God's intent is always a great army. His intent is that all of us filled with his spirit with our focus on Jesus, guarding the authority of the word, partnering with him together, become an army that sees his kingdom extended. But we get to do that not only partnering with him, but partnering with one another. In fact, there's something of that. There's 40 one another's in the New Testament. He never intended us to do it all on our own. He, didn't, he never intended us to do it without him, and he never intended us to do it without partnership with others. So if we fight for the supremacy of Christ, the fruit we have is a love for Jesus. If we fight for the fullness of the Spirit, the fruit we have is a love for the Holy Spirit. If we fight for the authority of the Word, the fruit we have is a love for the Word and a passion for truth.
if we fight for covenant relationships and the kingdom of priests, the fruit we have is a love for the body. I know I'm preaching to the choir here. <laughs> Singing. The, uh, the last one, the fifth one that we fight for is the true gospel. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, the Jew first and also to the Greek. The devil doesn't like the gospel because it's the power of God. Let's preach anything else other than the gospel. I get excited, sorry. Matthew 4.23, after Jesus testing in the wilderness, the first thing he does is he went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Mark 16, verse 5. That's not... I, I, you've got the right one. I'm sure I got the wrong one. No, no. Huh? 15, sorry, not, not five. It was 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then verse 20, and they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with him and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. The word that he was confirming is not the preaching of the word. It was the gospel. That's the word. Somehow in much of the church, we've separated the gospel and signs and wonders. And we've pursued signs and wonders without the gospel. We need to get back to and grasp the importance of the gospel. The devil hates it. He wants us to do everything else. Let's get focused on social justice, a good thing. Helping the hurting, protecting the vulnerable, all good things. But without the gospel, people don't get saved. So what happens, the fruit of that, if we fight for that, is a love for the lost. Why these five things? I'm glad you asked. And I know you did. Did I, did I just make this up? These five things, because they're the fruit of the gifts that Jesus gave to the church. Ephesians 4.11 says, and he gave... Some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. How do you know apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? Because of their business card? Because, because of their press release? No, you know them by their fruit. Yeah. Very good. Matthew 6, 7, 16, and 20 says, by your, their fruit you will know them. You know them by their fruit. And so what is the fruit? The fruit of the apostolic is a love for Jesus and his kingdom. The fruit of the prophet is a love for the spirit and intimacy with God. 
The fruit of the teacher is a love for the word and knowing God. The fruit of the pastor is love for the body and the kingdom of ministers. The fruit of the evangelist is love for the lost and the true gospel. These are what Jesus thought the church needed to come to a place of maturity, a bride without spot and blemish. He could have given anything. You know, he could have given the church unlimited resources. Think about that. I think if I were doing it, that might be one of the things I think he should have given. And we have a precedent in the Old Testament in that he made Solomon the wealthiest man on the planet at that time. So he could have given that to the church. Why, did he, why didn't he? Because he's our source. We do have all the resources we need. He could have given the church protection, supernatural protection, so we never face persecution. We have a precedent in the Old Testament in that Daniel gets thrown in the lion's den, and what happens? The angels close the mouth of those lions. But he didn't. Throughout history, martyrs have given their life. Why? Because this world is not our home. And there is no victory in death. There, there is no fear in death. There's victory because we live for eternity. He could have given us political influence. He made David the king. But he didn't because the kingdom is not advanced politically. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And the fruit of that, if we fight for it, is a love for Jesus, first and foremost. A love for the spirit, a love for the word, a love for the body, and a love for the lost. If we fight for those things, we will stand. But the devil will do everything he can to get us to fight for something else. The wrong thing. Let me say this. If Jesus thought this is what the church needed, we better not let the enemy get us distracted. And let me tell you, we don't know better than Jesus. I was talking with someone uh, a couple weeks ago. And... uh, Good, good person, good heart. But they were saying that we need to fight for personal freedom. They were saying that, uh, I was saying that the issue we're talking about wasn't necessarily a kingdom issue. And they said, oh, it is a kingdom issue because if we don't hold the line here, then we will lose our ability to share the gospel and the kingdom will stop advancing. I looked at him and said, that's an absolute lie. It is not true. For the first 250 years of the church, there was constant persecution. At one point, they lit the street in Rome with the burning bodies of Christians. Yet in that 250 years, the kingdom of God advanced to, to fill the whole known earth at the time. In the midst of persecution. Persecution. 
every government in history. The kingdom has advanced. Today in China, communist government, the kingdom's advancing. In Iran, the, the strongest Shia governed nation in the world, part of the fastest advancement of the kingdom, 5,000 people a day getting saved. The advancement of the kingdom is not tied into personal freedom. God is greater. I know, I'm getting excited. In fact, when Jesus lived, he was born into a nation that was occupied by an opposing force. They had no personal freedom. In fact, when Jesus talks about that, he says, if you're forced to carry a soldier's pack for a mile, carry it too. He didn't say, let's start a rebellion. That's what everyone thought he would do. And he didn't. Why? Because the kingdom is not hindered by personal freedom. The kingdom is spiritual. And our God is an awesome God. So what does that mean for us? today how do you stand because that's what it says we battle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers having done all to stand how do we stand in the face of all this happening in the world in the face of shaking and in the face of economic shaking in the face of wars and plagues and persecutions, which we haven't faced a whole lot yet here, but we will. How do we stand in that? We pick the right fights. Pick the right fights. Fight for the supremacy of Christ when the enemy tries to get us distracted. Fight for the fullness of the Spirit when the enemy says we don't need that. Fight for the authority of the Word when the enemy tries to dilute it and make it something other than what God said. Fight for the, the body of Christ, covenant relationships and the kingdom of priests. Fight for the true gospel. How do we do that? Dee's read a scripture in Hebrews. It says, uh, we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses and that will, will be able to endure. And then his version says, looking to Jesus. That word actually says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Yeah. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. He becomes our focus above everything. When all the world is shaking around us, our eyes are fixed. Then we stand. And then we need to be filled with the Spirit. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. I spent some time talking about being filled with the Spirit this morning. It wasn't my focus of preaching. Except I felt the Holy Spirit say that there's some who've been passive. We're baptized in the Spirit, and then we're filled with the Spirit. We need to be continually filled. 
That's what it says. Be being filled. Don't get drunk with wine, but be being filled with the Spirit. Why do we need to be being filled? Because we live in a world that causes us to leak. We get focused on the wrong things. We don't lose the presence of God, but we get focused on the natural and not the Spirit. I just felt the Holy Spirit say that there's some here that uh, you've been passive. And God's challenge to you is will you fight for the fullness of the Spirit? Will you earnestly press in? You're good at fighting for the centrality of Christ. I love the worship. I know that you share about the manifestations of the Spirit and flowing in the Spirit, but there's, the enemy hates that. Jesus said this, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. The devil doesn't want you to have power because he doesn't want the kingdom to be advanced. You can probably live your life yourself and not lose your salvation, not fall away from God. But Jesus says we need power in order to advance the kingdom. And that's our great privilege. If that's you today, would you just say, I want to pursue this. I want to press in. Lord, we want to fight for the right things, the things that you've given us. You gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints. Lord, we want to be the saints with our eyes fixed on Jesus, full of your spirit, with the authority of your word that we know you as you are, as a kingdom of priests with a love for the lost, partnering with you to see your kingdom expanded. What an incredible privilege. Lord, it's just it's amazing that you can use us. And most of us, we get our focus on us and we say, God can't use me. But when we get our focus on you and we see, see how great you are, we recognize that you can use anyone. Lord, when our focus is on you, on how great you are, it's not what you call us to, it's who called us. When you ask us to go plan a church, be part of that, it's not the task that becomes our focus, it's the one who calls us who's our focus. I can do all things in Christ. If I get my eyes on you and not on the circumstance. Thank you, Holy One. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.